Hello, welcome to the Nutrition in Clinical Practice podcast for December 2019. My name is Mary McCarthy. I'm a nurse scientist and I am an associate editor for the journal Nutrition in Clinical Practice. With me today is Anita Meehan. She is a clinical nurse specialist in the fields of gerontology and orthopedics. And Anita was honored with an appointment as a fellow in the Gerontological Nurses Association. Anita is the lead author for the paper we will be discussing today. The title is The Clinical and Economic Value of Nutrition in Healthcare, a Nurse's Perspective. Anita works at the Cleveland Clinic in Akron, Ohio. Thank you for joining me today, Anita. I just want to ask you before we get started, uh, would you have any disclosures for the audience? Thank you, Mary. And uh, no, I have nothing to I have nothing to disclose. Excellent. Well, let's get started. So, sure. Anita, given malnutrition believed to be present in up to 50% of hospitalized patients has been shown to negatively impact outcomes across the spectrum of age, acuity, disease status, and underlying health, how do you explain why we continue to have a problem with the underdiagnosis and underreporting of this condition? You know, Mary, that's a great question, and I don't know that I I don't know that I actually have the answer to it, although I suspect that part of it has to do with you know, sort of raising awareness around this issue to those who are caring for patients at the bedside. And I know that from a nurse's perspective, at any rate, uh, we're always wanting to do what is best for our patients. But in this fast-paced environment that we find ourselves today, sometimes the prioritization of things that are important, um, while nutrition certainly is extremely important, sometimes it sort of falls down you know, sort of lower on that list of priorities. And I also think part of it has to do with um, sometimes programs that are introduced around any topic when we are trying to reflect best practice within our, within our clinical process of care uh, requires change in behavior. And um, as humans, we, we may intuitively say, yes, of course, I support uh, doing what is best, but to operationalize that process uh, requires a change in behavior, then sometimes there's a little bit of reluctance, you know, to implement and move forward. So I don't know, but I suspect that some of those things have to do with why we continue not to address those needs. Well, thank you for that insight. I I want to say that I guess it's a good thing that we have Malnutrition Awareness Week every year to kind of remind us that how important, you know, this problem is. So let's move on then. Can you speak to any uh, new initiatives or has the definition of malnutrition changed? I noticed in the paper that you mentioned the Aspen consensus statement of 2012. Mm -hmm. Is this the most recent definition of and criteria for malnutrition that we're working with today? You know, to my knowledge, I think that is one of the most recent, and my co-authors uh, from the world of nutrition are certainly more up-to-date on, on sort of the newest and most recent definition. I know, I know that from just reading the literature, part of the problem uh, with this whole issue of malnutrition is to come up with a standardized definition, 
and that often presents problems um, in terms of the use of various different tools and uh, assessment processes across various different practice settings. But yes, I think the, the long, long way around that is to say from, uh, from our experience that the Aspen um, 2012 tends to be widely used today. So your paper does such a nice job highlighting the consequences of malnutrition on the hospitalized patient, particularly those over 65 years of age. Can you remind the audience some of these consequences are? Yeah, and there are many. Um, you know, certainly when you think of someone who is malnourished, you recognize that they have a compromised immune response, and and that then sets them up for being at increased risk for a variety of hospital-associated infections, including such things as pneumonia, catheter-associated urinary tract infections, uh, central line bloodstream infections, and they're also at increased risk for pressure injury for a delay in wound healing. Um, they are at higher risk for staying longer in the hospital. They have a greater risk for functional decline, for falling, and um, of course, for dying as well. Yeah, no, your your paper really brought to the forefront these clinical and I guess you would say economic consequences, of course, but a lot for, for us, especially as nurses, to keep in mind because we impact many of those areas. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and to that end, I was just yeah. going to say to that end, um, I know in 2017, the uh, National Association for Clinical Nurse Specialists wrote a white paper around um, this issue of malnutrition in the hospitalized patients, just reminding those of us who are clinical nurse specialists about the impact that malnutrition has on our patients and these negative consequences, and then sort of outlining the role of the clinical nurse specialist as to what she or he needs to be doing in order to raise awareness and to you know, ensure that we are meeting the needs of our patients nutritionally. Well, that's a really nice reference for folks. So thank you for mentioning that. I guess it, it sure. sort of ties in with what my uh, next question to you was going to be. And really, I, I couldn't agree with you more that nurses working in all areas of the hospital, whether it's outpatient, inpatient, newborn care, acute or critical care, nurses have the ability to identify and initiate early evidence-based nutrition support. Can you elaborate on um, some of the opportunities where you see that the nurse could really have an impact? Sure. And one example which we cite in our paper is a project that we began at our hospital. And actually, it began with us taking a closer look at our patients who were developing pressure injuries. And we had done a lot of work around pressure injury prevention. Um, and we had a team of staff nurses who were very engaged in this process. And we use the Braden scale, which is a, a commonly used scale to identify risk for pressure injury in patients. And one of the subscales within the Braden contains this issue of nutrition, the nutritional status of patients. And so that that created some conversation with this group around what were we doing to ensure that our patients' nutritional needs were being met. So we, we took a look and we did a little survey of a, a sample of patients from a medical surgical unit. 
to see how long does it take between the time that these patients are assessed for risk for malnutrition and something actually happening to uh, address that risk. And to our surprise, that time was 2.3 days on average, which I'm sure you'll agree is a, is a pretty long period of time. Yeah. So we saw this as an opportunity to close that gap by partnering with our colleagues from the dietary department, as well as um, administration and the physician group and IT and nursing to create a program whereby on identification, the nurse could begin providing an oral nutritional supplement for these high-risk patients until such time as the dietitian could come and do a more comprehensive assessment. And at the conclusion of that, and it's more fully explained in the paper, but at the conclusion of that, what we found was we closed that time gap from 2.3 days to within 24 hours, which was really significant. Yeah. So I would, you know, I would encourage others to take a look at your current process of care. Everyone, I think, in this day and age, especially in the acute care setting, has an admission assessment that's done when the patient arrives. Uh, the Joint Commission says within 24 hours, those patients need to be assessed for nutritional risk. But take a closer look at what's actually then happening. How long does it take between that assessment being completed and an actual intervention being provided? Because as I'm always want to say, assessment without intervention is really not prevention, right? So take a closer look. It might illuminate an opportunity for improvement. And it seems like we should be able to leverage our electronic medical records to, Absolutely. you know, they use this artificial intelligence now to mm-hmm. prompt mm-hmm. action. Right. You know, maybe right. we got to get a, you know, just a creative group together where we start getting those triggers, you know, those identifiers that will pop up and remind us that it's been Correct. two days or... So maybe can well, you... I was just going to say, and not only that, but as I think about it, you know, there's some there's a some pretty comprehensive um, assessment tools that are out there that, within a clinical setting, really um, we are challenged to implement them because the questions that are asked requires more time than the nurse at the bedside has to complete, and she may not know the answer to those questions. But certainly within the medical record, as information is being generated, it could electronically calculate, you know what I mean, as time moves forward, and perhaps then in real time, be identifying those whose risk is now going up. Right. Yeah, no, I like that idea a lot. I I don't think we're quite there yet, but uh, something for these brains that are, you know, putting together right. the electronic health records th- that are supposed to make our actions, our interventions be so much more um, sure. you know, preemptive, sure. right? And I, can, and I can share with you one other thing that we're doing currently in terms of raising awareness at an administrative level. Um, we have a daily huddle that occurs every morning with uh, sort of the leaders of the organization. And we are now reporting out in that gathering the number of people who are malnourished. So dietary is contributing that piece of information there. And then in a committee that we have that looks at hospital-acquired infections, 
I've encouraged them for those people who develop these infections to take a look how many of them were actually malnourished at the time. And that has really illuminated for this group the important role that nutrition plays in the development of these hospital-acquired infections, such as the ones I enumerated earlier, cauti or, or pneumonia or, um, or CLAPSI, central line-associated uh, bloodstream infections. So little ways in which you can bring nutrition and malnutrition to the fore can only help to sort of put it back on everybody's radar. That's a great idea, and I think the daily huddles become a you know really kind of meaningful um, mm-hmm. engagement mm-hmm. of of all the disciplines who are there. They you know have something to contribute, and we get some real good teamwork out of that. I've seen that here. So um, something I'd like to take just a little further, since you were talking about this huddle and the types of information you're sharing about malnutrition. You you did raise the notion that, um, I, I hate to really say rationing of care, but sometimes it does happen. Mm-hmm. There's missed mm-hmm. care, right? Nurses sure. are constantly sure. doing more with less, as are other disciplines, but we know nurses fall short with the resources or the staffing they need. And so I'm wondering, have you seen a little uptick in their awareness and their focus on malnutrition now that you're using a huddle or you're perhaps in your role um, making them more aware when they do that deep dive into why infections are happening? Are you seeing the nurses a little more engaged because of that? Well, I do. And I think in large part, I have seen it with relation to the program that we implemented, whereby when they do that assessment on admission, they would report out the findings to to dietary. So they they did the assessment, but the information was sent on for someone else to act upon. Now that they have the opportunity to act upon their assessment results, so if they find this patient is at increased risk, they then administer an intervention um, until such time as the dietitian comes and does a more comprehensive evaluation and then determines whether it will be continued or something else will be added. So I think it, it brings them into the process as opposed to just being, you know, sort of the person that ticks the box. They, they actually now are engaged in addressing that deficiency. And also the little group that I spoke to about earlier that is focused on pressure injury prevention, this has become sort of one of their programs that they promote. So these are unit-based nurses who serve in this capacity as a resource nurse. In addition, in my role as a clinical nurse specialist, I will go out and I will round on various nursing units and just have conversations with nurses about their most challenging patients. And in the course of conversation, certainly this issue of malnutrition, and not only that, but, you know, can the patient manage the receptacle in which they have, you know, for example, water or their drink? Sometimes, you know, we've talked about overwhelming patients with too large portions because older adults, sometimes just seeing a plate filled with food, is too much. So we have, we have, uh, I will say, over the course of the past several years, engaged in a more meaningful conversations around these issues for our patients. 
Oh, that's great. Well, so the that begs the question. The other um, comment you have in the paper is talking about how we still keep patients NPO mm. before mm. you know surgery that might not mm -hmm. be for eight to twelve hours, or we mm -hmm. are rescheduling procedures and not thinking about their meal time. Mm -hmm. So, have we made any progress on that front? <laughs> You know, we have. There is a, a protocol called ERAS, Early Recovery yeah. After Surgery, that was initiated or initially introduced for the gastrointestinal surgical patients. We have now begun moving that into surgical patients in general um, and looking at ways in which we can reduce this restriction. You know, I, I've had conversations with my orthopedic surgeon colleagues about particularly the elective joint patients who um, tend to be, well, I shouldn't say they tend to be older because in this day and age, that's not necessarily true. But, but you know, anytime a patient is undergoing surgery, it's as though they are running a marathon, right? There's a lot of stress associated with a surgical intervention. And when you think about historically what we have done is we've starved them before we've put them through this stressful event. And there's now much information in the literature that speaks to um, the value of, of revisiting that old way of doing things and better optimizing our patients for surgery. So I'm hopeful. Um, as I said before, even though it's in the literature, it takes many years to to get people to, you know, change their behavior. But yeah. I am I am patient. I am persistent. Um, and so I'll I'll just hang in there until we get it done. Great. Well, this discussion has been very informative and quite revealing regarding the ongoing, continuing challenges of malnutrition and the critical role that nurses can play in elevating nutrition care as a priority, implementing evidence-based interventions to promote healing, avoid hospital-acquired infections, like you were saying. There's so much we could impact. I think we can pretty much close here, but would you have any last comments that you would like to make? I don't believe so. I just want to thank you again for this opportunity. I have, uh, I've really enjoyed talking with you. Oh, thank you. And thank you for putting such a great conversation starter as a paper together. And we'll look forward to that in the December issue of Nutrition and Clinical Practice. So I want to Thank our listeners today and let them know that if they would like to hear more or read more about the clinical and economic value of nutrition in healthcare, um, particularly from a nursing perspective, but there's a lot in there for the interprofessional team approach, uh, please look for Anita Mann's paper in that December issue. So thank you very much. <laughs>